Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, May 4th. It is a free-for-all. We are here live today. Pick up the phone and join us. Looks like calls are starting to come in. 855-950-3835. I had a bunch of odds and ends. I've kind of been collecting. Uh, I thought I'd jump in and get started on those while the calls come in. Let's go ahead and line them up. Two things happening right now that kind of take me way, way back. So we're talking about late 70s, early 80s. Um, Stagflation, I've I've mentioned it a couple times. I'm surprised I'm not seeing or hearing the word being used more. In fact, I'm not really seeing it at all. But it seems to me like that's what we're facing here. I wish I could remember better back to the 70s, late 70s, early 80s when this was happening. I've talked about what happened to mortgage rates what happened to CD rates. We're nowhere near those numbers yet. And then there's a lot of confusing information as well. Today, there seemed to be quite a bit of confusing information in, well, all over. The the industry, the economy, trucking itself, transportation. But there are also signs that things are looking better. And that's where it's really confusing. There's no real reason why they should get better. If we look at all the the trends in history in the past, we should be in a recession. And we should be in a recession for about 12 to 18 months. Some signs say we're already in a recession, but there are others that clearly don't look like we're in a recession. And the pattern still isn't clear. Inflation is still happening, but it is backing off in some areas, some months. Fuel is coming down. That, that's what should happen when there is less demand. And right now there's less demand because people can't afford things as much. But then we get these weird months, you know, with used uh, truck sales actually went up over last month. They're way down if we measure year to year. And that was the headline, by the way, truck sales down year over year. Well, I expected that. I'm glad I happened to read the article because they're actually up month over month. So what that means is if we compare April of this year to April of last year, then we are down about 20%, but if we compare April to of this year to March of this year, then we're actually up almost 15%. That's a really confusing statistic, especially being that it's in trucking. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It, I think many, many people now have seen that the rates are tanking, the volume's not there. Why are used trucks selling? That's that's kind of a weird statistic, but that's some of the stuff that we are seeing. Um, This is an odd one. So I've been watching this issue with packaging. Um, I actually used to pull freight for this company, Sealed Air. Uh, They had a place in Ohio I used to load out of. This is the the bubble wrap stuff 
that you get in packaging or the the little pillows, you know, where there might be three on a roller, there might be 20, depending on how they cut them. Sealed Air is that company that does that. And their volume is way down. Now, this is important because about six months ago, it was starting to get hard to get some packaging material. There was more demand than there was supply, and now that's really kind of tanking kind of fast. Um, That's not a good sign. The uh, couple other trends that I'm watching right now, well, let's stick with the late 70s, early 80s, because this is kind of interesting. Like I said, I, I... I wish I understood what happened a little more. I'm trying to find a, couldn't find a good book, trying to find some articles. Um, So maybe I can go back and and get a better handle on what stagflation was and how and why it occurred. How did we get out of it? Um, But there is an issue that was also happening back then. I'm sure it had something to do with us getting out of this. But it's very misunderstood in our industry and it's being talked about right now. Now, I understand this issue completely. This you can go back and read and figure out. And There were enough um, people left in the industry that I talked about this with them for a long time to understand what happened. I grew up during this in trucking, so I did kind of get it. But what I'm talking about is deregulation. First off, I wish they would have come up with a better word. Because this is the response you get constantly from people. Deregulation, my ass. We have more regulation than any other industry anywhere. Well, first off, you don't have more regulation. Not even close. Of course, we feel like we're overregulated in trucking. And I agree that we are overregulated. But it doesn't mean that we are more regulated than most other industries. We're up there, but there are many that are more heavily regulated. I, I, I am, I've been licensed or certified in two other industries that are much more heavily regulated than trucking. Money and health. I was a certified financial planner. Very, very highly regulated when you're working with somebody else's money. And health... Don't even get me started on the regulations in health. So the word confuses people. We didn't take away every rule in trucking, although that sounds that that's what the word makes it sound like deregulated. Really, all we did was take away the financial regulations that used to exist in trucking and did not exist in 99% of the other industries in the country. The There are three industries that I'm aware of that were heavily financially regulated, and then we deregulated them financially in the early 80s. It was started by Carter, finished by Reagan. I'm not exactly sure who signed what I think, uh, for trucking, I think it was Reagan. Oh, no, maybe it was Carter that signed the uh, Motor Carrier Act. Uh, either way, we deregulated three big industries, airlines, trucking, and utilities. Now, most people do not understand why 
they were regulated that way in the first place. I'm having this discussion on social media with a bunch of very, very unhappy owner operators who think it's everybody else's fault that they can't make it right now. And they believe, they've said it, they believe that the Motor Carrier Act of 1980, which deregulated the financial aspect of trucking, they believe that it was done so that owner operators couldn't organize or unionize or drivers. I'm not really sure. Part of the problem is when you have this discussion, very seldom do people differentiate between owner operators and employee drivers. And and there's a huge difference between the two. And you have to understand that when you're talking about this. I don't even know where that would that thought would come that they did this so that we can't organize because you can still organize. There are still unions. There are associations, trade groups that organize to lobby the government. That didn't change anything. The reason these 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 are the same people that believe if everybody shuts down, we can raise the rates, and they're totally. Missing two points. You can't shut everybody down because there's way too many players. These people are also screaming now that the rates are because of collusion and price fixing with the brokers. Impossible. Can't happen. Not just because it's illegal. Collusion does happen in industries, even though it is illegal, but it doesn't happen in trucking. And there's a really easy way to know why. There's tens of thousands of brokers, hundreds of thousands of carriers. There's way too many players to have collusion. You know, we look at oil companies and think they might be colluding and raising prices. That's possible. There's only a few of them. It could happen. Can't happen with tens of thousands of companies. But again, every time we go through one of these downturns, owner operators want to blame everybody. And when I ask them, let's talk about your numbers. If you're really hurting, let me help you. I can look at your numbers. I maybe can find a way out. If not, you need a good exit strategy. Nobody wants to talk about that. They just want to blame everybody else. And I know why one of the reasons they don't want to talk about it, they don't have numbers. And that's why they're in the position they're in. And now they're just screaming they want somebody else to fix it. There's a new owner-operator association that's formed. And I've, I've been kind of debating, and then out of the blue, I'm debating the guy, and he tells me he loves my shows. Um, I hate when that happens. We need to debate this. This group has started, and I'm all for owner-operator associations. I'm not, I don't think owner-operators should be trying to organize or unionize or protest. I'm not for any of that stuff. We're independent for a reason, where we should be. But that doesn't mean that you can't have a trade association that educates its owner operators or its members on best practices. I I don't know why we don't have one of those in this industry. Um, Maybe I do actually. I, I, I attempted to start one. It may have worked except it was a partnership and I had two partners that um, things just went South on. Um, I, I was trying to, I spent about three or four years, um, 
we got up to about 2,000 members. That's not nearly enough. You've got to get up to tens of thousands to make an association work. OIDA has 180,000 or something. The last time I looked, I don't know what their numbers are now. Uh, but they don't do an annual event. They don't do education, not much. They've got some online courses, but uh, they don't do much with it. Every other trade association I've ever belonged to in health, in finance, two industries I've talked about that I've worked in, they all have multiple trade associations you can join with annual events, multiple events throughout the year, lots of education, lots of resources. We just don't seem to have that here. Um, so this group is, is trying to start that. I'm glad they are. Like I said, I tried it. I failed. Uh, maybe they'll succeed, but I, I think their approach, they're taking the approach, you're all in or nothing. That's the kind of language they're using. Um, they're, they're, they're going to bully their way into controlling the rates. That, that's the claim they made. Now, what this tells me is this is, this is just a bunch of frustrated people who, when they talk about deregulation, they don't understand it. I, I can tell by the statements they make. They don't understand what it was. They, using this word that bully and they're going to control the rates. There's so many problems with that statement. I don't even know where to start. You don't bully anybody into anything in business. It's a horrible approach to take. There are lots of groups within trucking that if we got along and cooperated, things would get better. Brokers being one of them, and brokers are a big target. They just want to drive the brokers out of business. Hey, if that's your if that's your goal and you're going to do it by competing with them and providing better value, then hell, I'll be right there helping you. If you want to do it in a free market and you want to beat them by competing with them, then do it. But that's not what they want to do. They want to bully them. They want to organize so many people that they have a big club that they can beat people with. What a horrible idea. I Again, I applaud the fact that they're doing something. But you can't just do something. You have to do the right things. This is a horrible approach to this. But again, it, it, I feel like we're going back to these issues from the late 70s, early 80s in, in a couple different areas. And maybe that's because we are going through that same economic cycle. I can promise you this. We will never, ever have that kind of financial regulation in an industry. Again, it can't happen. What the, the, I wish I could get enough people together in a conference call that was controlled and we could talk about this so people could start to understand it and we wouldn't waste all this time. And I don't say we, but as an industry, if if we all were better educated, we could all be better. I wish I could explain to them how deregulation worked and what would happen if they did it today. They would, the federal government would have to revoke the authority of thousands or maybe more trucking companies. They would have to revoke their authority. That's the only way this works. The government technically didn't set rates, but they controlled supply. And if you control supply, you control rates. If you control demand, 
you control rates, but you, it's almost impossible to control demand because that's, you know, 300 million people in the country. So they didn't try to do that. That doesn't work, but they did control the supply of trucking companies who was allowed to move freight in what lane. That, that can't possibly come back, but I don't think anybody understands that. All right, let's, uh, let's get to some phone calls because they're starting to pile up on me. Let's go to BC to get started today. Norma, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. It's a long time since I spoke with you. Well, it's great to have you back. What's on your mind today? Well, I, um, I've not been feeling very well the last few uh, days. And so I went to the doctor for some tests and I got them back. And it says that my cholesterol is a little bit high. Give me a number. And what my was your, doctor, give me a number. What was your total cholesterol? Um, I think your your call person sent you a copy of my results. Oh, okay. Hold on one <laughs> second then. Uh, no, I don't have it actually. Oh, hang on. Okay. It says the messages are blank. Okay, hang on. I will tell them to you right now. So, my HDL cholesterol is saying that it's 0.86. Oh, boy. And this it's supposed is, to be greater than this is the, 1.9. Yeah, this is the Canadian version. Um, yeah. What's your total? Col- it says that, uh, let me. It says my cholesterol HDL risk ratio is 5.98. And it should be under 4.4. Okay, so let, let's instead of me trying to convert all the numbers, um, here, here's what I'm going to tell you. If your doctor tells you that your cholesterol is too high, I'm going to say congratulations. Let's keep working on it to get it higher. Okay. I do not believe okay. in, in the entire. I I don't believe any of the cholesterol story they have told us. None of it. First off, cholesterol is not bad. Let's just start there. It's not bad. It is crucial to life. It's in every single cell in our body. If we didn't have cholesterol, if our cholesterol gets too low, we die. You can die from low cholesterol. So why are we trying? Our body produces most of its own cholesterol. We do not get most cholesterol from our diet. Our liver produces most of it. Statins block our liver from making it. That's how they lower it in our body. So why are we trying to well, my lower liver something that's great. so important? Right. What? Why are we? Well, what which, happened? Which tells us that your liver is not overburdened in any way. It's doing its job. It's making cholesterol. It's making CoQ10, which is critical for your heart health. And when you take a statin, that will block CoQ10. Big problem there. Doctors never well, talk about that. Well, I'm afraid he's going to put me on a statin because hey, it's a hey, little bit high. Norma, Norma, why why are you falling prey to irrational fears? Did you? Oh, hear? I'm, I'm not. That's yes, why I'm you are. You. No, you are. You said I'm afraid he's going to put me on a statin. Oh. He can't. That's impossible. He can't put a gun to your head and say swallow this. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. 
Right. Absolutely. So don't think that way. Don't even speak that way. You just gave that doctor way more power than you should ever give him when you say, I'm afraid that he's good. He can do whatever the hell he wants. He can write you a hundred prescriptions. You don't have to fill them. You don't have to take them. So I don't believe the cholesterol story at all. None of it. It, it's it's wrong. Okay. We should not be trying to lower our cholesterol. Now, are there people who have a better cholesterol profile than some other people? Yes. And I'm not talking just about high or low. I'm talking about all those numbers in there, those ratios you're talking about as well. I do believe that the ratios can give us some insight. But here's what I find every time. If those ratios are off, The fix is never a drug or a supplement. It's always diet. So even if even most of the time, I just tell people, look, there are probably three or four other four other health issues that are more important that you should be focused on right now. But if you want to focus on cholesterol, the only fix is improving the diet. Which you're saying is keto, correct? Not necessarily. No. It it is eating a I, I so so let's let's so keto the word keto is way too generic to to say a keto diet is healthy that that's not true I can say all ketogenic diets will cause human beings to lose weight that that's a good thing. But that doesn't mean that's the healthiest way we should be eating. I have seen many ketogenic diets that will kind of screw up the cholesterol numbers a little bit. Now, I'm not worried about it. They're still no worse than the average American, and and they've improved their health in so many other ways by eating a ketogenic diet. That's why I don't get too crazy about the cholesterol, even if it looks like it's a problem. I just, I just don't spend much time on cholesterol at all. Well, let me correct that. I spend a ton of time trying to help everybody else understand cholesterol. I've come to the point in my life where I don't even think about it ever. I don't care what my numbers are. So what would you recommend? I've done keto and I haven't lost very much weight on the keto and I've done nutrient dense keto. I've done paleo. I started Weight Watchers, not losing a dime on that. Well, stop that because first off, that's just going to make you sick. Even if you lose weight with Weight Watchers, it is going to make you sick. That's a horrible way to eat. Why do you say The food quality is awful and it's low fat. Well, it is. As soon as I put anything with high fat, like an avocado. I know. That's my point. That... You look around at why Americans and, and Canadians and, and Europeans and Australians, all the first world countries are sick, autoimmune diseases, um, metabolic diseases, cancer exploding. I can, I can point to low fat that caused all of that. That's what screwed up our food supply and our diet and our way of eating was the push to low fat. That is the single biggest reason people are sick today. And people are still doing it. Stop it. Stop it. Five decades to prove that it doesn't work. And it not only does it not work, it makes us sick. 
Well, maybe that's why I haven't been feeling well for the past week and a half. Maybe. It's absolutely why you haven't been feeling well. Your body is screaming for fat again. Even if you don't lose weight, I want you to stay on a high-fat diet. Okay. Because it's healthy. All right. We'll deal with the weight. But it's much healthier to eat real foods, animal foods, high-fat foods. Get rid of all the processed crap. The less food you eat, eat good, good. Then then don't change this. I, I don't. I don't care if you don't lose weight on this. You're eating healthy and ignore the doctors and their cholesterol. They will make all of this worse. That's fine. So, so. Now, can, do do you want to know why you're not losing weight on, on a ketogenic diet? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now I'm, I'm for time right now, I'm going to assume that we've covered some of the bases that we used to talk about in the past. I'm going to go through them. If we haven't covered these, then we need to. But I'll come to the point of we figured out in the beginning, if you weren't digesting your fat properly, you might struggle losing weight on a ketogenic diet. You won't get into ketosis. We need that fat to be digested. So people who have been on low-fat diets on and off for years have a hard time making that transition sometimes. So we need to look at that. We may need to do a fat digestion kit. Now, again, if we've talked about all of these things in the past, so you may have already tried yep. this. We've talked about making sure we have good mineral balance. This is where this is the phase where we supplement heavily. When somebody is trying to get into ketosis, it's not working. We do lean pretty heavily on supplements. We recommend brain octane if you can handle it to produce more ketones. Um, light yep, balance I have and green. cardio miracle every day to keep our, our mineral balance and our trace minerals where they need to be. So we have all those cofactors. If we go through all of those things and we're still not losing weight and we've fixed digestion, the it always comes down to one problem. Always. I, I, I have not found any other reason if people are eating the right foods, we'll just say they're eating the right foods for them, they should be losing weight based on their diet and they're not. If we fix digestion and mineral balance and those other things and they're still not losing weight, it is always stress. Always. Okay. I have been under a lot of stress. That'll do it. That yeah. It will block yeah. weight loss every time because weight loss is not about calories like we thought. Weight loss is about hormones and stress wreaks havoc with our hormones. All right. Well, starting today, I will go back to the higher fat intake. And what about, can I still throw in a few pieces of fruit? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I don't have that fruit. As, as an experiment, because we're, we're all yeah. slightly different, um, I would yeah. try... I would try two weeks of as low carb as you could go. Like if you could pull it off, pure carnivore. If you could just say, look, it's only two weeks. Nothing is going in my mouth that didn't come from an animal. 
If you could do that for it, two weeks, it might tell us something. Okay. And do you want me to phone you back in two weeks? Absolutely. Let you know it, what's it, going it, on? Call me in a week so we can check on our progress. And then, yes, we'll check in again in two weeks. Perfect. All right. I'm going to try it. Perfect. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate you. You're welcome. Take care. Let's go to South Carolina this time. Terrence, welcome to the program. What's up, Kevin? I got a cholesterol question. But uh, back to what the packing you were talking about. I This is what I think about that. When the packing, when, when um, COVID went and everything was shut down, a lot of stuff was shipped through Amazon and people were buying stuff online. They weren't going to stores. So it de- probably depleted all of those you know, people that would have packing like surplus, you know what I mean? And then they had to get it, rush it out. And they just never, they never caught up with it with, with, with the shutdown, you know, they never able. And that, I think it is now. That That's, know. that's a part of it. There's no doubt, but we've been, we've been post shutdown for a long time now. I mean, what, two years. So, and that was a part of it, there's no doubt, but we are, this is more of a, and that's why I didn't talk about this a lot during that time, because there were things that were screwing up all the numbers, COVID and the lockdowns made a mess of the numbers. We're far enough away now, we can start to see some trends again, and this packing material trend is pretty strong. People aren't, they're not buying from Hmm. Amazon and it, they're not buying as much as they were buying last year. We're not, we're not talking about just post shutdown now. We're talking about big big picture right, patterns right. here. They're just not buying as much of anything because they can't afford it. That that's the biggest reason right now. It's not that they're all getting smart and saying, "Oh, look, we might be getting into a recession. We better save our money instead of spending it all the time." They're not doing that. The reason they're not spending it or buying as much, they're still spending as much. They're not buying as much because you can't. Your money doesn't go as far anymore. So now let's look at how that that creates a domino effect. So what we sell, is it necessary? Do I sell anything in our store that somebody has to have? No, well, even, I could even, argue the cardio miracle. <laughs> well, <laughs> I would argue that too, but in in reality, I know, uh, I know you say it. Yeah, no, you're right. In reality, a hundred dollar tub of cardio miracle is one of the first things that gets cut from somebody's budget. Think about it. They they right. they need yep, no, you're right. they need to put dinner on the table. They're not buying expensive supplements. So, so I have to pay attention to this. We are, we are in a business that is hurt bad by recessions. Um, you know, I, I've talked about RVs because I know that industry really well. And the RV we own, Country Coach, um, fantastic company, have been around forever. Didn't make it through the 08 recession. It's an extra. You know, when your budget's hurting, you're getting rid of your RV and or you're not going to go buy one. So there are some industries that are really hurt. And and 
I know I'm in one of them, so I have to be very careful of this. So now somebody looks at their budget. Eggs got too expensive. Meat's too expensive. Gas is still expensive. They cut out the cardio miracle. Our sales go down. Guess what we have to do? This We have to lay people off, and we have to start cutting costs. And, and now our suppliers, cardio miracle feels that hit. So that's how yeah. oh, economies yeah. go down. It's a domino effect. Okay. I get it. All right. So now here's, so my fiance, she's an ER nurse. So yesterday she got sent home. She felt like a little pain in the stomach. And, um, so they put, you know, she was in the ER, so they put her in as a patient. So she has a small, um, hernia right by a, just above a belly button. So obviously they go and, you know, they run all this stuff on her. They gave her a cat, a cat scan to make sure, you know, make sure. So they, that's what they found out. And then they also, they found on her, they found, um, a dilated aorta. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, I, I recognize the term, but if we start talking about things like dilated aortas, you know what my next recommendation is going to be. Are you? Yeah, what, yeah, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah. I, I, was, I wasn't asking for I just, I just know if you've ever, ever heard of it or I, 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 I have. I won't even attempt to talk about what it is or why it happens. So, uh, right. Uh, yeah. yeah she's, like the doctors told her, because, I mean, she works with them. So they were honest. She said, there's nothing to worry about. But, like, I just was curious. If, so, if so. Like a, uh, 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 see, now, see, I have an issue with stuff like this. I, I hate when doctors do this. If it's nothing to worry about, then don't even mention it to me. Why would you, you do it, that? Yep. <laughs> that is just. That's, that's it, what I said, too. It, it's, exactly either, what I said. it's either ignorance or it's this, you know, the ego of the doctor. I, I, I'll tell you everything you need to know. That's stupid. Yep. What what is the one of people's biggest fears? Their health. They don't understand it. So now we're just going to throw something at them. Oh look, we found this. It's abnormal. Uh, but don't worry about it. <laughs> then why would you mention it? I I don't know. All right. So now here's the other thing. Now obviously she she has high cholesterol and well, again congratulations. I, I know the deal, but she's in. Yeah, she's in defeat. I tried telling her she's in that. You know, she worked around it, but I I tried to explain it to her. I said, "Don't worry about it." But she went on Lipitor like I don't know, maybe eight years ago, and it made her sick. So she stopped taking it. Good. So now she's concerned. I said, "Listen, don't even worry about it." But is there something like diet wise that would help? To, you know, to I shouldn't say. Write it. I mean, we eat keto. I mean, she eats bread sometimes, so, stuff like that. That I mean, you know, that's... So first of all, I'm I... I'm just saying the I, things to let, I, stay away from. I, I don't know her yeah. numbers, so I, I don't know what needs improved. Does her HDL need to be raised? Does yeah. her triglycerides need to be lowered? Was she losing any weight while they were doing the testing? Yeah, she didn't, she didn't give me, I could get the numbers. What I'll do is I'll get to see if I get the numbers from her, we, and then I'll call we, back with them. And we, we, don't, we don't need them. I, I can just speak in general. I don't need to get specific on this. I, I don't give specific advice on how to improve cholesterol. It's very, very general, generic advice. 
Eat right. Eat as much high-quality animal food as possible. And what I mean by high-quality is how was it raised? And there's a whole spectrum. There's a spectrum from those cows we see standing in Texas with with not a blade of grass right. within 30 miles. They're, they're raised in that industrial factory farm system. That's awful. Now, I still, if that's the only meat you could eat, that's what you should be eating over a bunch of processed crap. But we could move up to, was the cow maybe raised, you know, on grass for a long time and then only sent to the feedlot at the end? Was the cow raised on grass and finished on grass? Was it, you know, we can go through this whole spectrum. Was it raised someplace like Polyface Farms? where we know they have, you know, the best systems available. If we want to be as healthy as possible, we would eat the most of that type of food, animal products from regenerative farms, eggs and beef and chicken and pork and lots of great clean seafood. And the more of that food we eat, the healthier we will be and our cholesterol will be exactly what it's supposed to be. Okay. Yeah, she's she's why I told I said just don't you know go and take the get the medication and then change something else other than Lipitor. I don't know what other fifty ones they have out now. I should know from all the commercials on TV, but I can't remember their name. Well, now. no, I think this is like there's, there's two things they will do with statins when people start to have issues with them, and and lots of people have lots of horrendous side effects. Muscle pain is a big one. Um, memory is a problem, brain function, brain fog, all of those things are problems. And there are others. They'll, they'll switch to a different stat and they have so many to choose from now. And then they'll play around with dosage and they'll get her to a point where she's at least comfortable and she stops complaining about it. Right. So now here's a, wasn't there, I couldn't remember you mentioned a while couple of years, man, it had to be five years ago about a book about something about that. What was that, over-diagnosed so, or something? Was it in that? No, if it was... Uh, so this way I could give her something to read, you know what I mean? Yeah, so the when, leader. when it comes to... I'm worried, worried, but I just... Because when it comes to cholesterol... I only listen to you. Go ahead. I'm going to give you a name. Go read any book written by this guy. He's dead now. And... and his belief and his widow's belief is he died from the statins. So okay. the name is uh, Dwayne Graveline, Dr. Dwayne, Dwayne Graveline. He's a NASA flight surgeon. He was very, very accomplished doctor and flight surgeon. And his doctor put him on Lipitor. And he suffered from total amnesia he ended up in the emergency oh, that's right. I mean, I, I, yeah I, this is the story he ended up in the emergency room with no memories of anything that had happened to him after the age of 13 he reverted back to all he knew was what he knew when he was 13 he said if that would have happened while i was flying think about that Oh, yeah. Wow. How, how bizarre. Yeah, no, yeah. All of a sudden, he's in a plane, and he's a 13-year-old boy that has no idea how to fly a plane. 
thinking, thinking he's playing a video game. <laughs> it, it lasted for like 18 hours. So he did the research and he found out that is a that is a side effect of Lipitor. It happens on Lipitor. So he, he went off of it. A couple years later, his doctor convinces him to go back on another statin and he has another episode. So the, the one of the books that he wrote is called Lipitor, Thief of Memory. And then he wrote another book about, and, and I did a book review on this. It might be on the app even. Pretty sure it's on the app. I'll have to check. Um, I did a book review of another book. I can't remember the title right now, but the the book was about how good cholesterol is for us and then how bad statins are for us. So, And he's got other books. Um, okay. Anything he wrote about cholesterol, you can read. Okay, great. Uh, so it's Dwayne Graveline, like the way it sounds, like a great G G R A V E L I N E. Okay. All right, Kev, I'll let someone else get in. I appreciate it. Because I can't, I, you know, like you said, you always say this all the time. You can tell if someone's bullshitting or just repeating something that they heard. And I, as much as I listen, I still don't have, you know what I mean? I'm not, I can't retain all of it. And I don't, and I'm trying to explain it to her. And, and, and then she's looking at me because, hey, you know, Hey, Terrence. I think those more than me, you know. But. Don't, don't be so hard on yourself for that. Let me explain what I mean. We cover so many areas in health, and some of this stuff gets really complicated. Formulas and numbers and nutrients. And if I don't work, if I don't get a lot of questions about a certain area, I forget this stuff. If you're not doing it every day, if you're not working with this, if you're not answering the questions, if you're not looking this stuff up, if you're not looking at the lab numbers, you can't retain this stuff. You just can't. There's too much here. Right, right. Okay. All right. I'll let someone else get. Thanks, Kev. I'll, uh, I'll get her to read this stuff, hopefully, and then uh, we'll see what happens. Excellent. All right. All right. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Arizona this time. Douglas, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks. Um, my wife and I, you know, right pain usually. I'm kind of retired. I'm 72. But, you know, the rates are so bad right now, and we've had such bad luck uh, with loads being dropped on us at the last minute. And uh, for, you know, from... From Washington to Idaho, we, we lost one leg and we got that replaced. And then from Idaho down, they canceled us at five o'clock, and we had to, you know, catch a load really quick. Just lucky we got it uh, to come down to Arizona, and we just want to park the truck for a while. If we park the truck for a while, apparently our insurance, you know, they want to hang on to you. They want you to keep paying insurance even if your truck's parked. Trying to, you know, we kind of have a dilemma here, and uh, so don't see a let, way out of it. Let, so let's I own a park the truck. Let's start with insurance. Um, did you have an insurance agent, or did you just kind of pick and choose policies as you needed them? Yeah, we have an agent. So, is he an independent agent, or is he tied to a company? I think he's tied to a company, right, Larry? Lori? 
He's a company agent. Okay. Right? So here's what I would do. I, I would go find an independent insurance agent that specializes in class eight trucks so that he can shop multiple companies. Because what I, what I have a feeling is happening, your agent at a specific company is saying, no, we don't like to insure trucks just for the, the bare minimum and let them sit. We want you to maintain this policy. And that, that may be the only thing they do. It may not even be an option. But there are companies out there that will absolutely put some basic insurance on your truck while it's parked. And you could even negotiate to say, you know, I, I plan on parking for six to 12 months and then re reviewing this. Will I have any problem getting insurance at that time? So you can handle all that up front, too. Yeah. But you're going to have to find an independent agent. This can be done. There's no doubt about it. It can be done. You can park that truck and go back into business whenever you want. So what we've heard so far is that if when we do go back into business, they want to treat us as a new driver yeah but that's the, again you're you're only hearing from one insurance company because you're dealing with a captive agent i just i i My had wife a, I, I, that we, that she is independent. I well then go to her and ask her to go find you a company that will insure this the way you want it and will will give you a reasonable assurance that when you get back into business you'll have a reasonable rate here's the thing i just talked to somebody this week, he's only been in the business three years, like brand new to the industry three years, and he was paying 11000 for insurance. That's not bad at all. If that's yeah. how they're going to treat a new care. Yeah. Now, I know states can make a big, big difference in insurance rates, depending on where you're getting your insurance. But my point is, I would not hesitate to park my truck for six months to a year and I, I know I could get back into business. People do it every day. Well, that's probably true. I mean, new people. I, I One of the things I'm reporting on is used truck sales went up. But people are still getting into trucking today. I think it's a really dumb idea, bad timing, but they're doing it. So I don't see why I would be too concerned about somebody with your experience being able to get back into business when you want. I think we're going to park it. We'll figure out a way. <laughs> yeah, that, that it. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't see it being a problem at all. Really, not, not if that's all we're talking yeah. about is insurance. And I'm with you. Uh, yeah. wh why now? You you're in a position obviously where you can park this. Why would anybody yeah. go pull for these rates if you didn't have to? To me, it is no longer worth it's it. It's crazy, isn't right, it? Right, right. It just is. I think people are doing it because they have truck payments and they think they're making a dime and they're not. You are exactly that's right. right. That's, what it, that's what's still occurring right now. There are still enough people yeah. out there with enough money that they can keep going even though they're 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 bankrupt already they just don't know it yet you, look how exactly. long how long does it take to confiscate a commercial vehicle to repo it? it's not easy yeah. you have to find it yeah it's it could be anywhere right. in the country it's not like a car where you know where the guy works and you know where he lives and there's a good chance you're going to find the car in one of those two places that's not the case with a truck 
They're easy yeah. to hide and people do it. And they will keep running for three or four months without making truck payments. They'll get yeah. behind on their other bills and then they'll go out of business. But while they're doing it, they're dragging down the rates. This is temporary. The bottom, the very bottom is always temporary oh, yeah. because once we hit that very bottom, that's when everybody washes out and then we get a little relief. Well, my truck's got eight, almost 950,000 miles on it, and there's no sense in running at these rates. Correct. When I'm looking at uh, a rebuild, you know, around the corner, I might as well just park it and go ride my horses. I think it's a smart move. I really do. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, it's been a while since I've been able to hear you because uh, we have to figure out how to, you know, get in, get in, get back. Yeah, online to listen to your programs and uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a real loss not to have you on the radio. Well, thank you, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, it uh, I, so so if you, if you don't know what happened, it, it it's um, similar to Tucker Carlson, I guess. I I mine was a little more outrageous, yeah. and in the moment, I made a comment that an Arizona senator should be shot for treason. <laughs> Wow. And that's all it Not took. That, that, that was the. Yep. So, but here's the story behind it. There's a big story behind this, and it matters. I, I Look, I've said more outrageous things than that anyway. Um, that wasn't that outrageous of a statement. Well, really. I, know, I know in the past you said you're not going to get involved with politics until it became to the point where you. Exactly. Right. When when it has such an impact on our business, our life, our money, our health, uh, you have to. And that's the problem. Our government has taken yeah. way too much control over everything and it's got to stop. But here's here's more of the story. Why I said it. You remember the Canadian truck protest, right? Oh, yeah. World oh, yeah. worldwide yeah, attention. Yeah, finally, worldwide attention. I'm like, oh, look, these guys actually got somebody to pay attention to the issue. And it was an important issue. And do you realize you yeah. still can't cross that border without being vaccinated? Is that right? It, it's about to end. I think it's finally ending this month. I, I just saw a headline this morning that it ends someday this month, I think. That's still in place. That was part of what they were protesting. Now, and so I was supporting them. Now they're taking away their guns. Yeah, and I, I had a caller who was down right down in the middle of this, and he was updating us on the air. We were on the air live one day, and he's he's telling me they took my truck. I don't know where it is. I can't get it back. They took. They seized my bank account. I can't write any checks, can't get any money. My wife lives out in Alberta, runs her own business, has nothing to do with my trucking company. They seized her bank accounts. Now, I'm furious yeah. over this. I'm uh, furious. Yeah. And there now there's a, this talk about the American protest. All the trucks are going to head to D.C. There are multiple groups. So I'm talking about it. And while I'm talking about this on the air, I happened to read an article that this Arizona congressman, an ex-Marine, says, let those truckers come to D.C. We'll confiscate their trucks and give them to somebody that wants to work. Good grief. And I said he should be shot for treason. And I was canceled before my show was over that day. Ah. Uh. Well, thanks for filling me in. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the rest of the story. 
That's a, that's a mystery. Okay. Yeah. Well, but know you know, but you know what? We we took a huge financial hit, no doubt. Being on Sirius was a big deal for us financially. We never had to market. We didn't have to go after new people. They just showed up every day. It was was kind of an easy business to run. Um, But other than the financial piece, which we'll figure out, I'm much happier like this. Much, much happier. I love the way my show goes now. I love not dealing with Sirius X. I was always the redheaded stepchild over there anyway. Um I, I just, I, I did not fit in. Um, once a year, usually at the Louisville truck show, we'd all go to dinner and I, I can get along with anybody, but man, I, for the most part during those dinners, I had to hold my tongue. I mean, I, I can't talk the way I would normally yeah. talk in yeah. the group. It would have been a disaster. And then the other thing I love about the show now, no, no, no breaks, no commercials. I've gone three and a half hours, no breaks. I love that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for what you do. <laughs> well, thanks for the call and the support. I appreciate it. Let's go to West Virginia. Randy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. If they go to our place the other day, I want you to know it was excellent, man. That smoky stuff and that uh, almond butter. Oh, wow. oh, yeah. That stuff's dangerous, my, my, isn't it? The only problem is, yeah, yeah, you're right, because I want to eat a whole bag every day. I know. Of course, I don't. But it uh, it really requires then, willpower to stay away from the monkey brittle yes, and nut butter. Yeah, yes, man. And uh, I got them beef sticks and boy, that maple bacon is to die for. I mean, it's really good. That's uh, that's become the favorite but, uh, of a lot of people. Oh, it's great. But the reason I called is the state of West Virginia enticed this school bus, electric school bus manufacturers to move to South Charleston, West Virginia. And, of course, you know they give them big incentives. God knows how much. Tax breaks and everything, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, they just sold 41 of their school buses to counties in West Virginia, 41 of them, for $15 million. What? Which is something like, uh, yeah, 41 for $15 million, which works out to something like, $330,000 $330,000 a piece. Well, I was about to do the math, but I'm glad you did it for me. I have trouble with that kind of math, even with the calculator. It's too, many, it's too many zeros. Well, yeah, even many zeros. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, so you got so you to no sit kidding. there and try to count. All, for 41 up. So that, I can believe it, because that is that does seem to be the price of a heavy-duty electric vehicle. The damn Nikola... Supposedly, well, that thing costs like seven hundred thousand. I heard you say that, but listen to this: you can't tow them school buses. You cannot tow them. You mean they're going to have to put this one on a flatbed to recover them, or a, a special flatbed? And there's only one in the whole state of West Virginia. Unbelievable. My friend uh, works at the school garage in Raleigh County, West Virginia, and. It, they they brought one up there during the winter to use, so that most of the time the buses make three trips. Like they take the high school kids, then they take the elementary kids, then they take the grade school kids. Well, that electric bus got the high school kids, then had to come back to the garage and send a diesel out to make the other two runs every day. <laughs> We, That's how useless they are. I, I think people that listen to this show know 
how excited I was about electric technology in all kinds of things. I, I still am power tools. I love the fact that I have an impact wrench that I don't need a compressor and an air hose for. It's amazing. I love all my electric power tools and yard tools. Electric vehicles will be amazing someday. I, I firmly believe it. But we're going to set them back probably two decades because of the government spending all the money on bullshit. It's ridiculous. I'm telling you. This is just that, stupid. That to do like it wouldn't be available why, if, why, if the government did, did you, Let me ask you this. Did they test one bus before they made this purchase? They had four or five in the whole state. And, and like my friend told me, the bus that they tested failed. In every, in everything it did. That's what I mean. Not just did you test them, but did you actually pay attention to the data and look at it and say, boy, this is a really stupid idea? Evidently not, because who's going to pay $330,000 for a school bus that only makes one run a day? <laughs> yeah. You, you, so you got to have three of them. You got to have a million dollars worth of school buses to replace a, exactly. a, a $8,000 or or you could just keep the 10-year-old diesel bus that you already have and do three runs a day. Right. Yeah, right. So, so it's I'm ridiculous. A, it is. I'm but, a big fan of it, but I couldn't be more pissed off about the way our government is doing it. They're taking our money to screw it up, too. That's the one thing we have to remember. All of this money comes from us. All Now, here's another one. I was, no, no, no. was, was going to talk about this this morning. Um, you know how I've talked about Kenworth, Peterbilt, that pet car is kind of behind the curve with trucks right now because they don't, well, they do have their proprietary engine, but it sucks. Um, so they still lean heavily on the ISX. But Kenworth and Peterbilt just signed a deal. They are bringing out a hydrogen fuel cell truck. Now, these things are complicated. They've got an engine. They've got a hydrogen system. They've got batteries. They've got chargers. They, these are very, very complicated vehicles. So, and here's the other thing I just found out. They're making a big deal. The range on their T680, when they bring out their hydrogen version, will be 450 miles. Well, I guess that sounds kind of impressive if you're talking about electric vehicles, but look at the range we currently have on diesel. You know, take somebody like Joel or yeah. Henry or um, a lot of the other people we talk about, Steve Crone with fuel mileage. Um, these guys are, are getting it's 10. No it, yeah, let's just say 10 miles to the gallon. They're actually breaking those numbers now. But at 10 miles to the gallon and you have 125 gallons of usable fuel, you've got almost a 1,200-mile range. Two and a half miles. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's go up. Right. We, we could be at 1,500 miles plus. So now this, this vehicle... Has a 450 mile range, and then you have to find a hydrogen station within 450 miles, and it takes 30 minutes to fuel. But then you get your, you get your 30 minute break, and that's a good thing. And, right? and yeah, exactly. And guess who's going to be building the driveline? I don't know why Packar just didn't design their own driveline. Maybe they just they've been too far behind the curve. Toyota. 
is going to be building the drive line wow. that goes into pack car vehicles. Who the hell's going to work on these things? Yeah, there you go. That's a that's like a Frankenstein, isn't it? It is. It's awful. It's awful. And and to get 450 miles of range and then I have to find a hydrogen station and take 30 minutes to fuel? What if there's two trucks ahead of me? Y'all have 300-gallon tanks. He can go coast to coast just, on one fill-up. Exactly. Just fill up in New York and go to California. So I'm all for electric vehicles. I am, I am not for tax incentives at all. Cut out all the tax incentives completely. These things will either make it on their own or they won't. That's crazy. You're right. That, that's the way it ought to be. I got this new Freightliner, and I got uh, I just got it maybe a little over a month ago, and I got uh, 14,327 miles on it, and it's averaged not 7.9 since I got it, and I promise you, I, ain't, I could care less about the fuel mileage. I'm pissed because they made me drive this thing. So I don't even do anything to get better fuel mileage. Right. And right. that's the technology of the day. It's got 7.9 without even trying. If, if we just put a little effort into it as an industry, we could. Do you realize the industry average for fuel economy is still 6.6? Oh, yeah, right. If we, if we would have focused on fuel economy, we could be running an average in this country right now of about nine. That's not out of the question. We could do that. But we didn't. And now they're coming for us and That's saying, it. well, you're dirty and you're polluting and, and we're going to make you drive electric vehicles. And then this is what gets me. Nobody's taking into consideration the pollution that creates to make them batteries. Of course. And what uh, you're going to do with them. It, it, See, that, they, they don't even think about that. You know, I, I, I was, wonder what it would cost to replace a battery on, well, on, a, on a tractor trailer. Here's something I have learned over the last couple of years. I've been, you know, I brag about my power tools and yard equipment, and I, I like it. But what I'm a little shocked of, I'm already replacing batteries. I thought the lithium-ion batteries are supposed to last longer than this. I, I get a couple, maybe two years. And I've got a lot of these batteries. It took a lot to manufacture these batteries. What do we do with them now? Because I'm just going to throw it away. I can't use it. It's worthless. But that, I thought right. they were going to last longer than this. Well, if they, if a, tool, a power tool only lasts two years, man, they don't, they don't give you much space in a truck battery, does it? Well, I'm, I'm worried about that. No doubt. And, and when, yeah. and, and, so I have something like a leaf blower and I, you know, one of my batteries goes dead and I have multiple batteries. so I don't have to replace it right away. But at some point I'm going to need batteries. Well, the battery many times costs more than the tool did. Right. It's crazy world we're living in. All I got to say. It is no doubt. Randy, thanks for the call. Let's go to Alabama. Dwayne, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, thanks for taking my call, and I appreciate everything that you uh, do for all of us. Um, to get to my question, I'm give you a little bit of my background. Um, I um, got my authority active in 2017, and when the ELD mandate came into effect um, in 2018, I was listening to your show and you and you said something that made sense. You said that um, because of the lack of trucks on the road, now is the time to build relationships 
with customers. And so that's exactly what I did. Uh, I found a, uh, a customer that, um, you know, direct shipper customer that I, I really enjoyed working with and built that relationship with them and was able to land a five-year contract wow. at the end of a, uh, beginning of a 2019. Oh, and I have so, a feeling I know what's coming. Yeah. Fast forward to today. Um, you know, the people in the office got good, have good relationship with, they, they're like family to me, right? you know, in that office and they feel the same about me. Fast forward to the day, because of the spot market is the way it is, front office informed them that a broker TQL comes in and took, you know, basically bid it on the freight. Yep. Underbid it, the contract. And they went to TQL. And, um, you know, they, they went with TQL. And in my contract, it's like, you know, they offered me one load a year you know, to uh, to not breach the contract between right. me and them. Right. And which I understand, I understand that they cutting costs and they trying to watch costs. I understand all, all of that, and I'm not mad at that or anything like that. Right. But right. the question I have here is, the question I have here is, is, is uh, I, I heard you say that about when, when, you know, when there's a demand for trucks, what should I do going forward when it's not a demand for trucks? Or, yeah, yeah. And also, so and also, and also, what should I do when I do find another customer to to put in my negotiation where I won't be in this situation again? That well, let me answer that one first because that's the easiest question to answer. There's nothing you can do. Nothing. Okay. This is business. We all, This is exactly what I was just describing earlier about how the domino effect happens and every business has to deal with this. No matter how good your relationships are, it doesn't matter. Now, yeah. it, it, it matters up until we get to this point where we're at the very bottom. And then relationships sometimes get put aside and they have to. Every one of us that owns right. a business has to focus on one thing right now. And that is how do we get through the recession without losing our business? And and here's the thing to remember. Right. You, if you are going to be in business, there will never be a time where you're secure ever. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how many contracts you have. I don't care how ironclad you think those contracts are. You could write the best contract in the world. What happens when that company goes bankrupt? Uh, you're out of business. Exactly. So, so there's no true protection in business. Business is always risky, always. It will never go away. And that's why some people shouldn't be in business. We, we just have to understand that. Yeah. that this is, this is your, it's your life. If you're going to be in business, this risk is always there. Uh, we got really lucky this time. We had a decade plus where, where this didn't occur. But now it's here. The party's yeah. over and it's tough. It's tough for everybody. I'm, I'm talking about my own business. I've got to scramble right now and figure out what do I have to do so we make it through this. So one of the things that you, you can do 
if you're willing to, if you look at the spot market and go, look, I'm just not going to make much more than a buck 70 a mile on the spot market. Um, mm-hmm. What if I go try to get a contract rate at a buck 65? What if I actually undercut the spot market? Can I do it? Can I afford mm-hmm. to run for that? And am I willing to? You know, the, we had a caller today. He's not willing to run for those rates. He's looked at the numbers and he says, I'd just rather park my truck and wait. Some people can do that. Mm-hmm. Some can't. Some mm-hmm. got to say, oh, I'm going to have to pull freight at whatever rate I have to pull at just to stay in business. Now, sounds like you've done a lot of things right. So, but we have to deal with those people that haven't done anything right. And they're out there pulling for a buck 30 right now just to make their truck payments. And until we can wash them out, this is going to be really difficult. Okay. Well, I, I do my uh, break-even cost uh, per mile on my truck is a dollar thirty-five because I have all, all my equipment paid paid for paid off. And if I if I have to, you know, you know, worst case scenario, if I start out a year and a half, I have enough money to to where I can survive a year and a half without even going back to work. That's including my business and my personal personal um bills also. And so um but it's something about when you sit around, I've been you know, I sat around for two months not doing anything, but it, that that weighs on your mental. Oh that, sitting around and not doing anything. That, that's another and factor. You're right. That's another factor. So again, if you listen to this last caller, um, he was going to park the truck and go ride horses. Like he had a plan. He he knows what he's going to do. It doesn't sound like he's too worried about it. But there's a lot of times just not in that position. I mean, you, you've got to work yeah. no matter how low the rate. I can't close our business for two months. There's no way. I, it, it would put us out of business. I would have such a hard time getting started again. Um, so sometimes you just can't. You just have to deal with the fact that it's a slump and you've got to really cut costs and, and you know, go work for rates you'd rather not work for. It's just part of being in business sometimes. Yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, and you know, the, the, other thing, the other thing we should keep in mind when we're in this position, and, and I do this myself, I, I think back and I, I'm grateful for the last, you know, several years where the economy has been really good and I did well financially and I was able to put some money aside. And um, it, had I been an employee, I wouldn't have had those really good years. Right. Right. Well, let me ask you this then. Um, I was talking to one of the supervisors in the office and he said, and he told me that this scenario came came up at one one time where another big broker come in to took the contract but when the rates on the spot market went up it said that broker abandoned yeah contract happens all the time you know, to, we to follow, we follow your rate now if you were if you was in my shoes and they come back to me offer you know want one of um and want to give me the loads again and and work it that way, how would you handle that? So this is a tough one. That There's no right or wrong answer to this. And, and I could even give an example currently for me because people ask me all the time, um, what would happen if Sirius XM came back and offered you a spot, even if it was on a different channel or whatever? And I've made up my mind. 
And this mm-hmm. is just me personally. Not no, but hell no. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really yeah. enjoy being completely independent now. I like it a lot. I'll figure out the money thing. And I don't like the reason and the way they terminated me. So I yeah. would not go back. I've made up my mind. Now, if I were in your position, it might be totally different. In fact, it would be. I already know. You have support there. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people in that company that don't want to see this happen to you. They're doing it for a purely yeah. financial reason, and every business has to do that at times. So I would be I would yeah. be maintaining this relationship If they wanted me to pull one load here and there, I would do it. And if they came back to negotiate again, I would negotiate with them. I I don't see where they've really done anything wrong. Right, right. And that's the reason I can't blame them for what they said. No, not at all. Not at all. So I I would absolutely do everything I had to to maintain that relationship. Well, Kevin, I really do appreciate it, and you gave me a lot of good points, and it makes me feel better now that I talk with you, because in the beginning, I kind of felt like a heel, you know, saying like I'm being like a pun being... Oh, no, 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 not at all, not in this case, not with what you're describing to me. You've made friends there, you have true relationships, they understand the value that you bring to them. They just have a tough decision to make like all of us do in this economy. Right. Okay. Well, Kevin, I really do appreciate your advice. And, and, and that, that means that, uh, that advice is gold to me. And I really do appreciate it. You are welcome. Thank you for all your support. Let's go to Iowa. Brandy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. I have an idea for outreach. Um, I spoke to Angie about this. Uh, so our company once a month has a driver conference call. We listen to messages. Last month or last week was safety as well as nutrition. And there wasn't a lot of drivers that had any questions. So they were trying to uh, get us to talk. So I made a comment about safety and then, then I was inquired, what do you, what is your thoughts on nutrition? Well, my dispatcher just got done reading what looks like, you know, those typical posters that are in your break room of how you should eat, you know, oh boy. low fat, uh, yeah. you know, so I already, my mind is already, it's like, well, you may not, I don't think you're going to agree with me. But I, I don't agree with that. And he says, well, why is that? And so I told him about your show and telling him about the app. But the idea, so they were, they wanted more information. But, you know, obviously I'm on the phone. I don't have any way to give them any information. So I thought of this idea. When it used to be in, prior to COVID, you could go into drive, you know, to a company's break room. Then you could see the posters they had on, on their wall. What if you had a poster basically uh, centered around destination health? You would have a picture of yourself, a picture of the app, a picture of Lauren, and you would have a list of the things that drivers normally have issues with, the callers. It would be the company driver's responsibility to bring it to, um, to their boss, and you wouldn't have to spend any money. We would buy the, you know, the, 
the business cards and the posters from you. We would have the incentive to take it to our boss and basically ask if we can put this up in the driver's break room or something. And I think after a while, people will wonder, what is this? Who is this? So let me jump in and I'll give you my opinion on this because I've kind of been down this road with with fleets and fuel mileage and taxes and accounting and business consulting. I tried working through fleets to get to the owner operators and I I did it. I attempted it for about three years. I, I made a pretty good run at it and then I gave it up and I don't want to go back to it. Um, if we decide to work with fleets at a health level, and I think we have a better shot than we did with business and accounting and owner operators, but I agree, but it's a a very, very big undertaking. The one thing I won't do is just kind of throw things. Oh, listen, I've got a lot of experience at this. I will not throw things at the wall with fleets and see if they stick. Here's what doesn't work. Putting things up on bulletin boards, putting a stack of cards out in the dispatch room, even even getting a fleet to agree to put something into a settlement when they used to actually have paper settlements and hand them out. None of it works. You spend a ton of money, a ton of time, and you get a very, very low response rate to these kind of programs. And, and here's here's why. Here, here, here's why my show works and why those things don't work. Pure repetition of me explaining things. Health is a huge education process. In fact, it's a re-education process because we've you just said it yourself. They're still putting up the same posters they would have put up 50 years ago talking about low-fat, low-calorie. That is pounded into everybody's head, and I come along and say, eat all meat and you'll live forever. Nobody buys it. There's no repetition. There's no explanation. There's no education. It doesn't work. These kinds of programs at the fleet levels are horrible failures, and I wasted three years and a ton of money on it to know it. Well, a single poster, posters that only Brandy, the company Brandy, drivers stop, that stop, the stop, stop, stop. You can't do a single poster. In order to make this worthwhile, I've got to do a thousand posters. It, it, I'm telling you, it, 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 this does not work. This is not a model I want to approach yet. If I ever decide that there is an, an opportunity to work with fleets on health, it will be a huge program and a shift in our marketing. You can't play at this. You can't test it. You can't, it doesn't work. You either go in at scale big and and hope it works because you're going to spend a lot of money to go in at scale or don't even mess with this at all. And right now we're just not messing with fleets. Right. Well, I just Here, here's, another, here's, another, here, I here's another problem. Here's another big problem. We put a and it's just like the last caller. We put a ton of time and money into building a relationship with that fleet because I have to have that. If this is going to work, I've got to have people on the inside that I can work with. You you put all that time and effort into it. That person that you're working with leaves and go gets another job. The company gets bought. The whole program gets scrapped. I, I've talked about I worked with a fleet for a year. I'll bet I flew to Chicago and L.A. Wouldn't you use the drivers to do it, though? 15 or 20 times. No, drivers aren't going to do this. They're just not. Somebody like you might. Why would they? 
It's human nature. It's human nature. I no, really, Brandy. Why? Why is somebody going to carry around a bunch of cards and, and material unless I'm paying them? So now I got to pay them. I, you. I, I get that, but you're you're not going to do it for free. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I don't. I don't. Ex- I, it won't work. Over time, it won't work. All right. That 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 goodwill. I I can only lean on that goodwill so much. I can only ask the tribe to go do things so long without paying them. That's just human nature. I wouldn't expect anybody to do this if they're not receiving something, some sort of compensation. And and look, well, we, we, get the we, we will we, well, well, hold on. We will probably come up when we come up with our new subscription model. We will probably come up with some sort of an affiliate program that would allow you to share this with other drivers. Not with a fleet manager, though. I don't want to because you you might open the door to the fleet and get me in. But I know what has to happen once I'm in that door and I'm not willing to do it. Right. But if I it, wanted to, but we may I want have, to help other drivers like we may have a program where and you would get some reward for it, too. We're not going to put out a program and expect you to do it for free. It would. It might be discounts in the store. I mean, we'll come up with some incentive, but the incentive will be to take this out and share it with individual drivers. I, I'm, I'm not ready to go down that fleet path, and I may never be. There's there's reward in not having necessarily money for everything. I I like doing stuff because I enjoy and, it, and and, and uh, I, I love and that. I and, and and I've I have promoted tons of products and services that I don't get paid for because I believe in them. I understand that works. It is you can't build a business model on that. That's my point. The 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 people who will do that are rare, and there's just not enough of them to build a business model. And and like I said, I don't want that. I, I don't want somebody that's just constantly bringing me business. I, I need to reward them for that. That's how business works. Well, reward is watching you grow bigger. <laughs> for some watching people. Watching your audience I, I, get bigger, I, I, more I, I, and more. I, I get it. And when you have that kind of a personality, it's hard for you to imagine that not everybody has that kind of a personality. But they don't, I can promise you. Yeah. Well, anyway, that was my idea. I've been sitting on that all week, and I wanted to test you. Yeah. Okay. A, yeah. Not. I, I've been there before. Not ready to go do that. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Idaho. Mark, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? Good, good. Hey, man, um, our 20-year-old daughter is uh, is um, pregnant and uh, about, I think, about eight weeks now. And uh, a couple weeks ago, went in for an appointment and um, found out that uh, he has what's called uh, hypothyroidism, so which is common. Um, hypo, but correct? Not hyper. Over the years, yeah, correct. Hypo. Okay. <clears throat> the diagnosis is hypo. So, um, their first, he, he, he listens to us and he. But, believes in a lot of the things that we have learned over, you know, since we've changed our health 
practices six years ago or so and just been learning since and continue to learn. Um, but she still, they like to go out and eat and right. different stuff. So right. other than that, she, she does work out. She's, you know, pretty fake. So, girl. so believe but it or not, years that, old, that the workout sometimes can actually be a problem. I'm not saying it is in this case, but it can hmm. be, especially with young women. Sometimes they will work out well, believe, to, to the point okay. where it's detrimental, not not because it should be detrimental, but because they're doing it in conjunction with a poor diet and all of our yeah. everyday stress. That makes sense. And what happens, we see many times with young women, especially this is the group that it hits the most. They work out too much. They have too much stress. They're eating a low-fat standard American diet. Their hormones will be a mess. And thyroid issues are hormone-based. Um, she needs a good quality carnivore diet. We're very, very close to carnivore. That's what's going to fix this. Nothing else will. They'll put her on medication, which will make things worse. Um, thyroids are yeah. pr- pretty important. They control a lot of things. Um she will start to gain weight no matter how much she works out. And then she'll work out more to try to overcome it. And it will just be a, a spiral. Well, which uh, sounds uh, along the lines of, you know, what we um, agree with and have uh, talked with her about. We do, we're trying to do a few things first and just get some answers before we go to my my wife's uh, functional medicine doctor um, for any further tests if we want. We do want her to get a blood panel anyway. But um, so she, since she, she hasn't been working out as much at all because uh, of morning sickness stuff. It's been, she just feels poor. That, so it may, uh, not, has, it, it may not be a bad thing. I, I would actually have her switch. Now, when, when you say working out, are we talking about like running, going to the gym? What What is her workout? Her workout usually consists of uh, more weights than um, cardio. That, and that, that's good. That's good. I, I like that. So, that. That's a good sign. But that's just as stressful on the body. So we still have that issue. Um, one of the things yeah. I would ever do when if she does work out, do a half a workout by by exertion. Don't don't exert to a hundred percent like she's been. Just back off of it a little bit. Do an easier workout. Um, replace yeah. some workouts with just walking outside. Um, just a normal yeah. stroll, nothing too strenuous, but but staying active. That all that's fine. But but she is at a point where because of her diet and being pregnant that the workouts could be actually, actually be detrimental. Okay. Well, um, as far as she, she took one, I get, I believe she took one pill or one dose, whatever, one day's worth, whatever it was. And then she hasn't. And, um, just due to the fact of some of the information looking up what they gave her and she doesn't want to have any complications. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did I, did I miss something? What is she, what did they give her? Yeah. So I hadn't got that part. Oh, okay. So they gave her a, uh, it's called, 
uh, levothyroxine. Oh yeah, sodium. That no, it's a fifty a, milligram tablet. It's a it's a synthetic hormone for the thyroid. Yeah, I mean my my so, my wife looked it up. But, so um, so if she wants, I know to, that you had some things in the store, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm not going to recommend any supplements. That that's she's not at that point. She she doesn't need drugs and she doesn't okay. need supplements right now. Um, we need to get the well, diet. I have under, her numbers. Well, I don't. I don't even want them. First off, they did the wrong panel. Okay. You won't have the numbers on the thyroid that I actually want. The standard panel doesn't tell us what we need. It's kind of like a standard cholesterol panel. That's why a lot of times I don't even want the numbers. They they didn't get the numbers we need yeah. anyway. Um, would she read or listen to a well, book? She's not that high. She's way below ten. Yeah. Um, look up and just send her to this website and let her start at the website. There's a lot of good articles there, but then this this um, practitioner also has a, a good book. Um, the woman's name is Isabella Wentz, W-E-N-T-Z. She's a pharmacist. She had... N-T-Z? Yeah. She had thyroid issues, young, in college, same kind of thing went through all the synthetic hormones, all the traditional, and she got worse and worse. And then she went and figured it out on her, on her own. And now she solves most of the thyroid issues naturally. There are occasionally times where a, a pharmaceutical might be needed. Um, so I would start with her. But here, here's what it's going to come down to. It's diet. It is primarily diet. There's some stress in here, but we have to work on diet first. There are some supplements that could help, but if we don't work on diet first, the supplements aren't going to do anything. That's why I don't want to sell people a bunch of supplements that aren't going to work until they get their diet under control. Yeah. Uh, the, the closer she eats to high-quality carnivore, the sooner this is going to resolve. That That is the answer. I don't need blood panels. I don't need much of anything. I, I know the the... The okay. more high-quality animal food she eats, the faster this will resolve. All right. Well, I know this is uh, recorded, so I will bring this, you know, when it when it comes available, I'll uh, let it, her listen to it. So you, you know, he, did, he is willing to. Um, here's the other thing I like about this. You know, if somebody switches from the standard American diet to carnivore, they might have a couple of days of some discomfort, some weird symptoms, maybe a week. That's it. That's it. After that. So if I can get I had a caller earlier, I said, can you do carnivore for 14 days? Because if you can, you'll start to see results. You'll feel results. And it's pretty amazing. Seven days isn't quite enough. My wife's done it. Yeah, seven days, you kind of, you may still be having some of those weird symptoms. Sometimes people are a little constipated in the beginning. Um, the whole idea that we need fiber is a total myth. The, the, I, I have, there are times where I have yeah. virtually zero fiber in my diet and my digestion works better than ever. We, we do not need fiber no, to make our digestion work. Yeah, that, that is a huge myth. So if, if she can eat, really close to good strict carnivore for 14 days. Usually the way people feel is enough to, to keep them going. Yeah. I don't know. It was hard. Uh, I think my wife's done it like at least two times, but in a 30 to 60 day cycle and she's just get to a point where she was like, Oh, 
sick of eating meat and eggs. Exactly. No, I, I'm, I'm, I, it was like, I, like I just want variety. I completely get that. That's me too. And I've said I will never be pure carnivore. I, I just don't think I'll ever get there. Yeah. Um, so I, I seek out. No, we're not now. Yeah. I, I seek out the vegetables that have fewer problems. Fermented cabbage, things like peas. I love garden peas that no real issues with peas at all. Um, lettuces and and you got to be careful with dark leafy greens. Some of those can be really problematic. Most lettuces don't have any problems. Um, spring salad mixes, they things like that. Like a little bit. Well, that then that's a that can be okay. that's that's where some of us are really bio individual. You know, fruit. Uh, fr- I have. As long as I don't overdo fruit, I have zero negative effects from it. So, you know, find those other foods for some variety and some freshness. I, I'm I'm that way too. And if I if I had a conference coming up, let's say we were, you know, two weeks away from a CMC right now, I'd be pure carnivore for the next two weeks. But you in a, in a different it, state. It, it just makes me feel that much better. My energy levels go up. My moods get better. My thought processes are clearer. Uh, I, I can do it with strict keto or strict carnivore, but I, I don't want to eat that way the rest of my life. It's too restrictive. Yeah. Hey, um, um, I have to get going soon, but I, so I have a couple other, uh, additions to this. Um, I had to pull over, man. I'm in Nevada, so no boy, yeah. Body heading north, but uh, um, anyway, they so her she went to another appointment yesterday, and uh, my wife messaged me said he prescribed her dedicated thyroid called Amor Amor thyroid. So I don't know what that means or what, but uh, I don't know if that's a, a, another thing on top of the first one, but. Um, I do hear what you said and on basically trying to go into a, a carnivore for 14 days. Um, we are going to get, she is willing to get some more blood work done. And uh, we did get her on. Um, she, she had interest in, uh, we reached out, we looked into, so what is it? Ancestral. Uh, you're the organ right. pills that, like that you have in the store. Right. Are you there? Okay. Yeah. And then also, uh, Paul's, Paul Salvino's one. So we were weighing them both out. I know they're kind of sister companies, but, um, I think the ones we ended up choosing were as instead of a prenatal vitamin that some store would carry, he's, uh, take, she's, I forgot which ones he's going to be taking two different bottles of, uh, as a prenatal basically during Perfect. this. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And either company, no. Paul Saladino's stuff is good. It's high quality. So either one is fine. And I agree with those. Those are, those are, you know, here's, here's a good analogy. Um, you know, chemical farming, you know, the, the three big um, nitrogen, we, we put the three big fertilizers on there. Everything grows big and green and produces fruit and it looks amazing and it is totally unhealthy for everybody. It's unhealthy for humans. It's unhealthy for the planet. We've destroyed our soil because of it. Instead, what we should be putting on the fields is manure. That's it. That should be the fertilizer, compost and manure. That should be our fertilizers completely. And when we do that, we grow big plants. 
that, yeah, we grow big plants that produce lots of fruit, but it gets better and better every year. And the immune system of that plant is so strong, it doesn't need herbicides, insecticides, fungicides. We don't need any of that. And in a chemical, no, I never, in a chemical never farming, had a problem. right, you have to have all that stuff. Here's the same thing. She could either yeah. take this chemical multivitamin or she can take an actual glandular, which is food. That, that's it's the same thing, yeah. and and her entire body will be healthier with the glandular. So, but again, I'm fully I, willing to do it. So. The glandular, it's going to help, but it's probably not going to help much if she doesn't change her diet first. Yeah, well, I will. Ex- we will definitely um, uh, express that and let her listen to this as well. So, um, gosh, well, shoot, man, that's it. Uh, I, um, I guess without knowing some more of her, uh, getting some blood work done and knowing a few things like deficiencies and like an iodine deficiency or a few different things. So, um, would I guess just need a, a blood panel first or no, um, but no. I, I, I don't care what her blood panel is now. It's going to be wrong. I know it's going to be wrong. I, I, I don't need to see wrong well, numbers. Okay. It's, okay. It, it's going to be wrong. She's eating the standard American diet. There's going to be deficiencies. Let's test it. Yeah, 30, sure. Let's test sure. it 30 days after she changes her diet. Okay. I'm putting that down. Um, after and because now for sure. See, here's here's what could happen. She will have deficiencies and imbalances if she tests right now. Many of those will be yeah. fixed by a good diet. So why bother testing for them yep. now? I get it's out of money pocket, man. Especially yeah. going to a- well, and it, it it's it's money, it's time, it's the hassle, it's all of that. I mean, let let's just skip that. Let's yeah. focus on eating right. And in thirty days, if we think there are deficiencies, let's go test and maybe supplement then. Okay. Well, shoot, man. Um, we'll kind of work into that and start with that, and uh, uh, definitely just try to clean her food up, man. And excellent. Or at least encourage her to. I yes. can't hold her hand, but uh, you can. You can guide. Uh, hey, man. yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, I know you have meat sources and suppliers, and I thought you were working on something across the gorge for your own supply of beef or something like that. I thought I heard last year, but I'm, um, I, I'd, I'd like. To I don't get, know if you still ordering stuff from far away or what. I do. I, at some point, I want to change that. the The problem is the sources that I order from. The meat is so damn good, and I'm having a hard time finding oh, that same. Now, I'm not saying it's not as healthy. The local stuff would be absolutely just as healthy. What I'm talking about is just pure flavor. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm buying her- yeah. heritage pork. I've found my favorite breed, Old Spot pork. Oh, the flavor is just phenomenal, and I can't find anything even close well, local. So, and you know, I'm. I have a, a recommendation for you. Oh, perfect, perfect. Go ahead. It's not that far from you. It's, it's we haven't been there yet, but um, we we're going to be ordering our second uh, 
half a cow from her and she's got a variety of stuff but you can go online and look it up and they're a small regenerative farm it's called square mile ranch and they're i think they're not too far from pendleton so oh, okay uh, and they make a couple deliveries a year or you can go pick it up so yeah but, uh, I, I could certainly go pick it up, that man. up. It, yeah thank thanks for that because i i do want to start bringing my sourcing as local as possible right now like i say i have my sources i order from i just um <clears throat> yeah i just actually got a a pretty nice reward because i placed my 50th order on that pork <laughs> well that's a <laughs> Uh, that's a fair amount of orders. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, like I said, yeah, it took I, you 50 orders to get that reward. <laughs> well, actually they, they, um, they're, they're pretty big on rewards. So there's different levels. Like you get your first reward for your yeah. fifth order and then another one at your 10th and then your 25th. Now they need to reward me because their prices are outrageous. I mean, I, I you really pay yeah. for this stuff. It It's, it's almost hard to cost justify it, but it's so good. Um, but they do give out really, really nice rewards. In fact, one of them, it, it's actually a scrap product. So they take the pork tenderloin and they really trim their tenderloins down. So they're just beautiful. And all the little funky pieces that they cut off this tenderloin, they're like chunks of pork tenderloin with bits of fat on them. And they just package it up and they give it away. I mean, I think that's one of your first rewards. So I was getting that, a package of those in every order. I developed a dish. It's one of our favorites. I do a, a, a mustard pork, um, and then we put that over a little bit of white rice. It's incredible. I would have never come up with a dish, except they kept sending me these scrap pieces, and I'm like, what am I going to do with this stuff? Now it's one of our favorite dishes. That white rice, man. We, uh, We've been dabbling in that a little too much, we think. There, there is uh, there, the only grain like we eat. There's uh, a limit, but, but it's it. The nice thing about white rice for me, the only downside are the carbs. So as long as I watch that amount, yeah. then it's just no big deal at all. And it's it's just a nice addition for me to the diet. A little bit of variety. And, and honestly, I think that that starch is just good. I, I don't think there's a problem having that amount of starch. Well, we have that. it every week. I, I do, too. Not every Lisa, day. Lisa and I probably eat rice on average about once a week. We have a couple dishes that we, we make with white rice, and um, that's something I won't yeah. quit. The results, I, I like the results I get. No, it's good. I mean, I feel good with it. She's just been questioning a little bit. And we get um, the kind of the best we found it so far is uh, we just buy it in a bulk bag of uh, – the Lundberg Organic Jasmine. I was that that absolutely that that brand and Jasmine rice. That's a, a great brand, and Jasmine is my favorite white rice by far. That's the only kind we eat, man. That's so. same with us. Yep. But uh, well, it's you, Kevin. Uh, thanks for your info and your time. I gotta go, man. I gotta right. go and, get uh, get to work. Have yourself a good day, and uh, yeah, I'm trying to so. All right. Got to get to Boise. There you go. Excellent. You're welcome. Let's go to Minnesota this time. Andrea, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I had called in a couple of months ago. Um, I had, or yeah, had gestational diabetes. um, And we're kind of trying to figure out what to do with that. I recall. Um, 
because, sorry? I recall. I remember the call, yeah. Um, so kind of, we hoped that they would just let us kind of knock out the the testing after so long, but they did still want to keep me, keep, you know, testing, whatever. But I was able to completely control it through um, basically just limiting and at the end, even just kind of cutting out sugar and Excellent. fruit and whatever. So that Excellent. I didn't have to take insulin except for um, actually when my daughter was born. Yeah. Kind of in the part of labor, there was twice that they had ended up giving it to me because my numbers were going pretty high at that point. But okay. Yeah. Well, so that con- part was. Congratulations. That was good. Yeah. Thank you. So our daughter is now about a month old, um, but the, the whole labor and delivery was kind of a, um, I think say an ordeal, but kind of an ordeal. It yeah. turned out to be a number of different complications that kind of came up. Um, I ended up actually losing quite a lot of blood. So I was down to 7.1 for Ooh. hemoglobin. So very low. Yeah. Um, the doctor basically said if I had, if I was at seven, he would not let me leave without um, a transfusion, you know, to right. give, bring the blood level up um, because of COVID vaccine um, things and whatever. Basically, I told us, like, I really didn't want to receive blood. Because, yeah, good thinking. Um, so, 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 like I said, so we, we were able to kind of avoid that. But then because of the low hemoglobin, they said that, you know, um, breastfeeding especially could be more difficult um, but it was about 10 days after I had gotten the hemoglobin back up to 8.8. So I've been taking all of like beef liver Excellent. Um, tablets. Yes. And then there's a kind of, a, it's called a flora, vital, iron, and herbs supplement that some friends had suggested that was also good. Okay. So, yeah, kind of doing a couple of different things like that had brought it back up. Um, but wondering, do you know or have any ideas or suggestions about what to do to basically increase the milk supply because it definitely still seems to be an issue um, that it's not, I guess, not as, not as much as she needs for sure. Um, so we've kind of also then been looking at what do we do? Do we need to supplement with formula? Um, so far, I have a friend was able to give us some breast milk, so I've been supplementing with that, and that definitely seems to help her happiness or mood levels. Yeah, Um, so let's talk about... We won't be able to keep that. Right. Go ahead. Yeah, let's talk about that first, because that's that's immediate. Um, Purchasing human breast milk is the best option. Uh, there are exchanges out there. You have a friend. That's awesome. Uh, I'm a big believer in that. That That's number one. That's as close as we're going to get to your breast milk, human breast right. milk. My next option right. would be right. a a formula you make at home from goat's milk and Mount Capra okay. um, has excellent yep. goat's yep. milk and they have their own recipe. So I would have that handy and maybe even make a batch so you know how. Um, it, it, so, so, okay. we've, so we've got the baby covered short term. We have good nutritional options for the baby. Then we could start working on, right. now I will say, this is not an area I'm all that comfortable giving advice in. It's just not something I've spent a lot of time okay. researching. My my natural instinct is the more animal products you're eating, the more good quality beef and eggs and, you know, even supplementing with the glandulars right. like you're doing. That to me is is the first approach to this. Now, are there 
other things okay. we could be doing, specialty supplements, or that's where I just don't have any real knowledge. I, I would have to seek out. And there, okay. I, I will tell you this, there are probably more natural practitioners that specialize in pregnancy than almost any other area. Uh, I think the reason is okay. if we look at natural practitioners, it's almost 80 to 90% women. That that's just a real pattern in this industry, sure. um, and and a lot of yep. them will focus on pregnancy. So it's one of the reasons I chose not to to kind of learn the pregnancy side. Okay. I can't experience it, so it's it's not like I could say, oh, you know, I did this and it was amazing. So I I figure women are far right. better at right. that than I'm ever going to be. So I would have to seek out somebody okay. for that kind of advice. But in general. Um, keep the diet clean, focus on good quality animal products, yep. um, have a couple options so that the, we don't interrupt the baby's nutrition. Um, but honestly, if, if you wanted right. more specific advice, we'd have to find somebody. Okay. Well, for example, so we have our own um, grass-fed beef cows, so Excellent. I have plenty of Excellent. that. Um, we have a yeah. friend who raises, you know, has the organic eggs so we get our all of our eggs from them um but i also have a cousin of my husband's who has um does dairy so we get milk from milk from him so it's like oh yeah a lot of that kind of stuff and we don't eat a lot of the processed excellent i would say not totally like strict keto um definitely have you know a little bit here and there kind of you know other sure sure and you should like not strictly keto food but like i said for the most part it's like i said the pretty yeah, like so decent keto. I mean, like I said, not not like I said, super strict, but well, ba- based yeah. on what you just told me about your food supply, your own cow, your neighbor's chickens, your other neighbor's milk, it, that's as good as it gets, really. That that is fantastic, <laughs> and we have to remember. If once in a while this baby might be drinking some goat milk formula or whatever, and and, and this is a very short period of time. Pretty soon, we're going to be introducing foods and. Um, you know, so worst case scenario, this baby's going to be about four or five times healthier than the average American baby anyway. Right. So that's something to keep in mind. We may not get this perfect, but, but the, I, I love thinking about these babies growing up like this. This is so, um, it, it's heartwarming right. for me to see this. We need a lot more of this. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, so I guess, yeah, mm, trying to think. Um, I guess I said it's sorry because if you say you, you know so much into it, because like a lot of people keep telling me about, you know, eating a lot of like that grains help with milk production, so like eating oatmeal. Horrible um, idea. I also, sometimes, like, Absolutely horrible idea. Oh, no way. And so it's like, oh, oh. Yeah, just just ignore those people. That's insane. There's no way. Look, I don't care if somebody could prove to me. I don't care if somebody could prove to me that eating grains or drinking beer would increase your milk production. So what? I'm still not going to do it. We're we're getting a bunch of proteins we know are no good for our body. And then guess what? We're passing those on to the baby. Right. 
Yes. Do you, and like I know that you said you don't have, have much idea with it, but like coconut oil, oh, that was another thing somebody had told me. Well, coconut oil is supposed to help. So here's the thing. If, I mean, if, if it's increasing something I already eat and I know is good for me, and somebody says, oh, if you increase it, oh, well, I'll try that. I, I eat a lot of coconut okay. oil. So to add a little more, no big deal. To add a lot more, no big deal. And if it works, great. I don't know right. that it does. I don't know. Like I said, I haven't researched it enough to, to even have an idea. But if coconut, sure. if somebody said, look, avocados, I, well, sure, I'll eat avocados. That's something I would eat anyway. But I'm not going to go eat right. a food that okay. I've decided not to eat because it's bad for me just because somebody says, well, it's going to help your right. milk production. But if it's a food that's good for me, sure, I'll try right. that. Right. Okay. So it's kind of that hard thing because, like I said, it, just, it definitely seems like she's not getting enough. Um, the friend that we have been getting this milk from is she had to go back to work, and so I won't be able to get milk from her. Right. It sounds like probably, you know, much more. So well, like I said, so now it's kind of seems like it's still, well, look, like I said, we need to do something. For, look for, for a daughter. local exchange. There are exchanges of breast milk. Yeah. And so like, I had to do that. So like there, for example, there was a Facebook group that a couple yes. of different people had mentioned. Yep. The things I didn't know, I am a little bit hesitant because like, I mean, like, we still saw a lot of them, you know, they'll say like, okay, you know, I'm located in this area, you know, I've been taking whatever, this vitamins, you know, this medication, yeah. am vaccinated for COVID, am not, whatever. You know, so many times they'll do that, but I don't know. To me, it's a little bit hesitating, like, so, You're still just getting this milk from somebody who knows what, where, when they've been you, you know, eating, drinking, whatever. You are. And, and of course, that's why I say this is never going to be perfect. Um, so, and the right. more work you do, the better the outcome is going to be. So you do go through multiple groups and you find somebody that you start chatting yeah. with. And then you find out that they, they believe like you do, you know, they didn't get vaccinated and yeah. and they don't have to eat a perfect diet. Uh, look, it, human, sure. human breast milk, even from somebody on the standard American diet, in my opinion, is better than anything made in a factory. Okay. Yep. So I will work hard to seek out the right person. Like you had the perfect situation. You had a friend. Well, that's ending now. Things change. We need right. to go seek out yep. and, and and find and not just jump on a group and say, oh, look, I can buy breast milk. Do some work. Find that person. Build that right. relationship. Lean a little on the goat's milk formula yep. if you need to. But ultimately, okay. um, I, I'm very, very confident this child's going to get plenty of nutrition. Right. Okay. And like I said, the formula phase is going to be um, over pretty soon, and you're going to be moving on to 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 food. Um, and you know, you can make some awesome baby food, and kids will eat it. Um, my son made all right, the twins' right. baby foods. It was it was mostly liver and avocado. That was the base of almost all the food okay. was liver and avocado. Uh, it's so nutrient dense and the kids ate it just fine. In fact, they loved it. I, I doubt that they would have eaten commercial have, baby food. Well, yeah, I'm not going to give her that. Right. Um, did, they, did they have a book or something or like where did uh, I'll, I'll add, kind of like the recipes? Well, you know? my, Michael's a French trained chef, so. 
Um, that was his career before he okay. became, uh, and now he's a nutritionist. So he really understood, you Got know, the, the food, the nutrition. So okay. he, he developed all of his own recipes. Sure. Okay. So tell him he needs to make a book, a recipe yeah. book, and he I'll, needs to I'll, sell it. There you go. Yeah. Baby, baby. I, I think it'd be an excellent idea. Baby food recipes. No, I think, yeah, yeah, people yeah. would love it. Yeah. Totally serious. Especially, you know, that more kind of a, the natural and the healthy stuff, because that's the problem. Like, you know, I mean, if you go to the store and buy Gerber baby food oh, jars, awful. but it's who awful. knows? I mean, they tell you what's in it, but who knows what the heck is actually in it. I can tell you what's in it. Pure garbage. So, you know, at that point, it's like, well, if I can make it, yeah, I'd much rather make them. Yes. Yeah. And it's not even really that no. hard. You know, it takes, you know, a half hour or out of your day every day or whatever. So there's a time commitment, but it's really not that right. hard to make really, really good quality baby food. Right. Um, okay. So really quick, you had said that there's um, like you, that you haven't so much looked into like, you know, kind of more like increasing milk supply and that kind of a thing. So who would you suggest would be a good person then to talk to or maybe not person, but like, how do I try and find someone that would be, I, are you active on yeah, social more media? Kind of a good um, I mean, I have a Facebook account. I have an Instagram. I don't use them excessively Those. like very much at all, but I have them. And I'm glad that you don't use them a lot, but this is one of the times where they can be a very powerful tool. In fact, I can't think of a more powerful tool yeah. to find these kind of people. Um, start looking for natural pregnancy groups, paleo pregnancy groups, things like that. You'll find the people that okay. that have done this kind of research, and uh, they're out there, and they're actually pretty easy to find on social media. You could even, here's another thing you could do. I, I really like the NTAs program. I mean, that's that's my trainings from the NTA. You, you, you look up the NTA. Okay. They have a website. Um, I think it's nutritionaltherapyassociation.com, but I'm not sure. Easy to find. Reach out to them. Send them an email and ask for practitioners okay. that, that specialize in this. Sure. Okay. No, that would be, I like, just like, I don't know where to, yeah, just try and start looking for something. I start with the NTA. And try and, yeah, you know, ask different people, you know, but okay, no, that's a good suggestion. See what they can yep. put me in the right direction. Exactly. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for your help and your time. You're welcome. Check in once in a while. Let us know how it's going. I want to follow that baby's progress. All right. We're going to wrap this up. A uh, couple things here to, uh, to finish off with yesterday, we uh, we finished off our mini series on ketones. Keto Mojo was a big part of it. Uh, we had Dorian and Jessica from Keto Mojo. We did three parts. Uh, we did two parts where it was just uh, Dorian and Jessica and I talking about ketones and ketosis and measurements. And we knew there would be a lot of questions around this one. So this time on the third episode of the mini series, it was Q&A. Uh, we finished that up this week. We um, we talked a lot about the stuff in the store. This is one of the places where I will push some of our products because you absolutely want to use the Keto Mojo for testing this. 
for testing your ketones to make sure we're getting into ketosis. And we also have the, um, the magnesium products. So we've got a lot going on in the store. Head on over there and check out all of that. We talked about a lot of products yesterday, so you can go back and listen to that episode and then check them out in the store. We do appreciate all the support you bring us. And um, we've done several mini-series now. We did uh, Sally K. Norton and Oxalates. We've done the Keto Mojo. Uh, we've done NutriSense with blood sugar. We've got a couple more we're kind of working on in the background. We've got enough out there. I'd like to get some feedback on it. Uh, um, it, it just let us know. Drop me an email, message me on whatever site you see me on. Um, I, every couple of days I get around. Uh, don't do it on Facebook because I just don't go to Facebook at all anymore. Um, but our sites, Twitter, send us an email, call me on the show. I'd love to get some feedback on the miniseries. Do you like that format? And if so, we'll keep doing them. If not, um, we may drop them. They are a lot of work. Uh, I like doing them, but uh, I want to make sure they're beneficial and people are seeing value in them. Um, Oh, hold on. What are we doing with? uh, Oh, okay. Uh, Rolling Toe looks like they are ready to go. Uh, that's why I'm wrapping mine up here at 10 o'clock so they can get started. Um, so when I'm all done with my announcements, we'll have about a five-minute break while I get them, while I close out this show and get them hooked up on their show. Um, and then you can tune in to them. I do not know. Let me see. What do we have for tomorrow? John, Joel, and Henry, all confirmed for tomorrow. Excellent. That should be a fun show. Uh, so tune in tomorrow and tune in here in about 10 minutes for Rolling Toe. We'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.